If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Romans. All right, find the book of Romans. Hope you have your Bible. Pull it out on your phone if you need to. And find chapter 9. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament, right? We have two sections. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. Sixth book. First four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life. Like, that's awesome. And then the fifth book is the book of Acts, this powerful book about the early church and how, uh, and how the church is spread and the Holy Spirit just moves through people. And then we have the book of Romans, which is the Apostle Paul. And it's this like overview of what it means uh, to be a Christian. And we're going to get to that in just a second, so find that. But at the beginning of this year, we felt like God was calling us as a church and as individuals to prioritize and grow in two specific areas. For the first two months of the year, we focused on the first area, which is the area of prayer. We talked about um, what does it mean to pray, what does it mean to talk to God, and then we talked about dangerous prayers. We are a church that prays first. We pray first. It's what we do. It's who we are. Every Sunday morning we pray first. Every first, of the, first day of the week we pray first. Every first um, week of the month we pray first in our prayer meetings. Every first of the year through January and February we pray and fast. It's who we are. It's what we do. We pray first around here. And then we have the second area that God is leading us as a church and as individuals to put more attention towards. And it's this area of missions. We've been talking about this for the last like three or four weeks now. Um, and it, spreading the good news of Jesus to all over the world is who we are. And that is what this message is all about. This series is called, we've called it To the Ends of the Earth. To the Ends of the Earth. The first week in this series, we looked at some history of the Assemblies of God of our denomination, and we looked at the Bible to see that God wants us to be missionally focused. We are on mission for him. The Assemblies of God was created to be a missions organization. It's who we are. And then last week, um, when Pastor Kyle was here, we came to the conclusion that if anyone has been changed by the gospel, they now have an obligation to share this with people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And one way we said that we could help uh, share Jesus with others is by giving. Pastor Kyle, last week, if you were here, uh, he talked about how we can be senders. We can send missionaries out. And we put these um, uh, pledge cards in your hands last week if you were here. If you were not here and you did not get a pledge card, please, on your way out by the offering boxes, there's the uh, the the. the missions pledge cards so grab one of those and what we want you to do we're not telling you you have to give okay we're not we don't want to guilt you we want you to pray I, I don't want to tell you what to give that's not my job as a pastor my job as a pastor is to help lead you into God's presence and listen listen I want you to pray about what God would have you give and here's what I think I think I would just bet that if you prayed and said, God, what do you want me to give to missions? Over and above already what I'm giving, what do you want me to give to missions to help send missionaries and other people around the world to tell about Jesus? I don't think that God is going to come back and say, ah, don't worry about it. You don't have to give anything. That's not God's heart. I believe that God is going to challenge every single one of us to give. He's going to ask each of us, and he's going to give you a number. It may be a big number that scares you. It might be a small number that scares you. But when God asks you to give, uh, man, I, I hope that we would be faithful enough 
to trust him. Pastor Kyle shared um, how much he's giving. Um, and the cool thing about how much Pastor Kyle is giving is he's not even the one who's giving the most on our staff. There's some of us who uh, have heard from God to give over and above, like, uh, in big amounts because it's who we are as a church staff, and we want that to bleed over into the church that we help lead. And, and because I know it's not just the heart of our staff, it's the heart of God. And as you have that heart, I believe God is going to change you. So the reason we ask you to fill out pledge cards, and I want you to put your name on that pledge card too, and I'll tell you why. Because when you fill out a pledge card, that helps us as a church know what we can say yes to. Okay? If you don't fill out a pledge card, we don't know that that money's coming in. We have missionaries like Jacqueline that we heard from today. We have missionaries um, that come to us and say, you know what, can you support us? And we say, we can't. We don't have enough money coming in right now. Or we don't know. We don't know if we can say yes because we don't know what people are going to give. So please, just fill out that pledge card just so, what we, so we know what we can say yes to. Does that make sense? So go home, pray about that. If you brought your pledge card back this week, awesome. Drop it in the offering box on your way out, or maybe you already did. If you haven't brought that pledge card back yet, go home, pray over it, bring it back next week. We want to continue to spread the good news of Jesus. So thank you for partnering with us. So that was all last week. This week, we're going to be looking, um, we're going to continue with this theme of missions, and we're going to look at, the, at a key component to becoming a person that feels the urgency and the drive to share the gospel with those who have not heard. So we're going to start by looking at the best place to start, which is the Word of God, the Bible. So if you would please just stand with me for one moment as we read these three verses. Romans chapter 9, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is the Apostle Paul. Listen to this guy's heart here. This is crazy, okay? Verse 1. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirms it. Listen to this right here. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing, I would be willing to be forever cursed, to be ever, forever cut off from Christ if that would save them. Wow. We're going to talk through these words. Let's pray first. God, what we're going to talk about today can be tough. It's going to challenge our thinking, and it's going to bring up some uncomfortable thoughts. So help us to be open and to not discount ourselves from anything that you might be speaking to us this morning. We pray that you move in us, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, this uh, two weeks ago, not this past week, but the week before, I got the privilege to speak to and pray for the, uh, the National Guard company out that goes out of the Sox Center Armory. It was this amazing thing. I pulled up onto Sinclair Lewis Avenue, and I thought it was just going to be, I had this guy invite me who's, uh, who's a friend of mine. He's like, hey, would you come and do this as a pastor? Would you pray? I was like, sure. And I thought I was going to be talking to a few guys I pulled up on a Sinclair Lewis Avenue in Sox Center, and there was cars that lined this thing. And then they went down in front of the First Lutheran Church. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is legit. I was not expecting this many people. It was 84 soldiers and their family, their extended families, their moms, their dads, their wives, their husbands, their kids. Like it was, there was like 400 to 500 people standing in the parking lot of First Lutheran Church. And I was like, okay, all right, I got a little part in this. And I'm 
I stand, I talk to the captain, he's like, yep, all right, I'll introduce you and you go. And I was like, okay. So everybody comes over and he grabs the microphone and he goes, welcome everybody. I want to introduce you to Pastor Corey this morning. I was like, oh crap, I'm first. And so he hands me the microphone. And so I get to share with them. And what I talked with them about, first of all, I thank them, obviously, for their service. And, um, but I got to talk to them about their sacrifice. You see, because it takes someone special to sacrifice for someone they don't even know. These soldiers, they were obviously going overseas to sacrifice for their families back home, right? To protect their families back home. But they were also going to serve and to sacrifice these people in Kuwait that they've never even met. Many of us, we would be willing to sacrifice for the ones that we love. But would we sacrifice for people that we've never met before? Not many of us would sacrifice for a stranger, someone we don't even know Someone we don't love. And that's exactly the point that I want to make today. If you love someone, you'd sacrifice for them. You'd die for them. You'd do whatever it took to save them from suffering or death, uh, or in our case today, from spending eternity in a place that, that Paul says is cut off from Christ. And there lies the problem and the solution for this idea of missions that we're going to talk about today. So I want you to catch this really quick. Jesus wants all people to come to know him and to be saved, right? Would you agree with that? He wants everyone to come to know him and be saved. That's obvious. And we're, we're willing to do whatever it takes for the ones that we love to come to know him. We'll sacrifice for them. But we aren't usually willing to do that for the lost people that we don't even know. So, what's the solution? Do we just like pull up our big girl pants and sacrifice anyway? <laughs> Maybe for a short while, but that's not something that keeps happening. It, it just doesn't work. Most of us just aren't going to do that. The solution that we see in the Bible is that we need to have a heart for all that are lost, for all that are lost. And this is the main idea for the message today. The bottom line, I need you to get this. We need to have a heart for all that are lost. God tells us in his word that his heart is that, is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? None should perish, but all should come to repentance. And if, God's, if that's God's heart, don't you think that we should have that same heart, those same feelings? Like our heart should be that none should perish, that everybody would come to know him. I want to look again at what Paul says. These are crazy strong words. He says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. I would be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if they would be saved. Do you understand what he's saying here? He is saying, I would go to hell if these people would go to heaven. Like, if I could get that guarantee, I would do this. Like, I could see dying for someone to go to heaven, right? But this is borderline crazy. Like, come on, Paul. You would go to hell so that someone else would go to heaven? I'd spend, he's saying, I'd spend eternity where they would go. Like, eternal suffering away from Jesus if they would go to heaven. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Obviously, God still has some work to do in me, in my life, in my thoughts. Would I die for people? For, for people that I don't know to go to heaven, would I die for them? I think I would. 
I think I would die for somebody that I don't even know to go to heaven because I, I love people and I want to see people go to heaven. But would I suffer like eternal damnation so that they could go to heaven for a stranger to go to heaven? I don't even know if I'd do that for the ones I love, to be quite honest with you. Like, man, I, I just don't think I would do that. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, you're misreading that verse because this verse isn't talking about strangers. This is, this is Paul talking about his people, right? His Jewish brothers and sisters. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, let me explain this to you. Paul does not know every Jewish person in the world at this time, okay? So there are still strangers here that he's willing to die for. And let me tell you, not only die for, he's still willing to go to hell for them. So please, stop splitting hairs with me, all right? Let's throw that argument out the window right away. He's willing to go to hell for these people. John Bunyan, uh, pastor, preacher, writer of one of the most prolific, prolific works of religious literature. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, The Pilgrim's Progress, very popular book. He said this. He said that often when he was preaching, he felt that he would give his own salvation for his hearers. He's saying like the same thing that Paul says. But Bunyan takes it a step further. He says, and I pity the man who has never felt the same. I've got room to grow Maybe you do too. So how do we develop this heart that is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for the people that don't know Jesus? Well, the first thing, the main thing that you need to do is to pray. Is to pray for God to break your heart. And this is one of the dangerous prayers that we've been talking about in our life groups. Um, if you've been a part of those, break my heart God. And in this prayer, we, we talked about how God's heart breaks for certain things that are happening in our world, right? Like world hunger, lack of health care, human trafficking, clean drinking water for undeveloped countries, orphans, and like so many more things, right? And in turn, God is going to take those things that breaks his heart, and he's going to, he's going to give us those desires so that we will do something about it as well. Like, Break my heart, God, for something so that I will do something about it. So in this respect, we're going to have different things that break our hearts, right? Different things. But when it comes to lost people, God wants every one of our hearts to be broken for lost people. He wants each of us to be broken for anyone who doesn't know him. We should all be praying this. We should all be praying, break my heart, God, for lost people. And I often pray for a heart of compassion, okay? A heart of compassion because that's what we read about Jesus having. He, this heart of compassion. Multiple times in the life of Jesus, in the, in the word of God, we see him have compassion. Matthew 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32 says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I pray for a heart of compassion and I do it. I've done it multiple different times in different seasons of my life. I wish I could just pray it once and be done with it, right? But here's the issue. The issue is my compassion, it leaks sometimes. 
right? Like when you're dealing with tough, we'll say tough people, sometimes it's hard to be compassionate and it leaks. So I pray this prayer, give me a heart of compassion, give me a heart of compassion. And it sounds kind of existential and just like out there. Like if you just pray this prayer, God will change your thoughts. He'll change your feelings towards these lost people. It sounds crazy and like that doesn't really work, does it? Let me tell you, it does. I struggle with compassion. But when, when I pray this prayer, God changes my heart. I start seeing people in a different way. God, give me compassion for people. Six words, nine syllables, 28 letters. This is one life changing prayer. Do it. Pray for a heart of compassion. And when you do, God is going to start to transfer his desires for his lost people to you. And when that happens, it will compel you to do something. Once you have God's heart for lost people, it will compel you to do something. And this is where, this is where it gets fun. This is where it gets a little complicated. Because there's all sorts of different things that you can do, and now you actually are going to do something. Um, but I think what it boils down to is the two areas that Pastor Kyle talked about last week, right? You can give, and you can go. You can give, and you can go. He talked pretty extensively on giving last week, and, and we each hopefully are making uh, this pledge that we talked about just a little bit ago, um, because I believe this is important. But I believe that it's not one or the other. I believe it's both. We should be giving and we should be going. And I'll take it even further. I believe the going option is even more imperative than the giving option. I'm going to say it again. I believe the going option is even more imperative than the giving option. And I'm going to tell you why. I want to start with the people around us, okay? In our town, in our cities, in our, our state, even our country, okay? Let's start there. Did you know, I think you'll find this interesting, did you know that planting new churches, starting new churches, is the number one way to reach lost people in the United States? Okay, check this out. 70% of people that go to a new church, they were previously unchurched. Okay, so I want, I, want to I want you to understand that. Let that sink in for a second. So if we were going to plant a church in a community around here, say Browerville or uh, Osakis or, or something like that, right? 70% um, of the people that would start going to that church previously never went to church anywhere else. That's a big number. That's a big deal. So if we grew that church to 100 people, if we had a church that grew to 100 people, 70 of those 100 people, 70 people in that town would not know Jesus, would not have been going to church anywhere else. This is crazy. Now, let's add to that, okay? Did you know that 300%, 300% more people get saved at new churches than established churches? Partially because there's so many newer people coming, but 300% more people. If we started a church in Osakis, 300% more people will get saved there than they would here in this church that has been established. This is crazy stuff, and you want to know why? This is why. Because we are going to them. That's why. We're going to them. We cannot expect people from Osakis or Browerville or Albany or whatever to drive to us. And I know some of you do that, right? You guys are like Christian superstars. You do this, right? But we can't wait for that to happen. The, uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, does not say, wait for them to come to you so you can make disciples of them. That's not what the Great Commission says. 
The Great Commission says, go and make disciples. Go, go and make disciples. We cannot wait for people to come to us. Some people, sometimes people come, but it's 300% more effective to go to them. And did you know this? I'm going to throw this out here. Not exactly super pertinent to what I'm talking about, but Easter's coming up. The number one reason that people come to church is a personal invitation. A personal invitation from a friend or a family member. Check this out. 2% of people come to a church because of advertising. They saw it on a billboard or on a Facebook post or something. 6% come because the pastor invited them. 6% come because they attended an event and then decided to come, like an Easter egg hunt or something that we have coming up. Now, if you're any good at math, that leaves 86%. That's all in one category. 86% of people come to church because someone invited them. 86%. If you're not inviting people, people aren't going to come. Check this out. 71% of unchurched people in our community right now says that, said that they would come to church if a friend or a family invited them. Guess how many people, guess how many Christians are inviting? 2%. 2% of the Christians worldwide are actually inviting people to church. Now, I'm going to give you guys a little kudos because I think you're better than 2%. All right? I believe our church is better than 2% of us inviting friends. I've seen it. But let me tell you, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. The more places that we put churches and the more that we invite, the more lost people are going to come to know Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that. Pastor Josiah is going to share a message with you next week talking about how do we reach the people around us in our own communities. But for now, I want you to see something else. I want you to see that just like the more churches we plant here and the more people we send out to invite here, the more effective we're going to be in our churches. Likewise, the more people that we send to the ends of the earth, the more effective we will be over there as well. You got to get this. You might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Aren't we already sending like a whole bunch of missionaries? Aren't we already sending them out? We see them every third Sunday. We saw one this week, right? Our church alone supports about 50 missionaries and missions organizations. And there's thousands of churches around the country. We're already sending a whole bunch of missionaries, right? Yes, we are. We are sending a lot of missionaries. There are missionaries out there all over the place. We have about 400,000 Christian missionaries that are around the world right now. That's a lot of missionaries. Until you realize that there are still 40% of the world that has never heard the name of Jesus. There are 42% of the world that has no access to the good news of Jesus. 42% of the world has no access. That means this. They have no Bible in their language. They have no churches in their area. And they have few to no Christians around them that can tell them about Jesus. 42% of the world, you guys, that's almost half of the world, even though we have 400,000 missionaries out there, only 40, or there's still 42% of the people who haven't heard. And here's where the disconnect happens, all right? We have 400,000 missionaries that are going to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, but only 3% of those missionaries are going to the unreached. Only 3% of our missionaries are going to the 42% that have never heard. That's only 12,000 missionaries of the 400,000 that are going to places like the Arab world or like China, the Silk Road area that we heard about earlier today. And 12,000, you might be thinking, wow, that's a lot of missionaries actually. Yeah, until you realize they're going to, they're going to save 3 
billion people. 12,000 missionaries trying to share the gospel with 3 billion people. That's one missionary for every 250,000 people. I don't know about you, but I cannot reach 250,000 people by myself. Not even here in America where it's okay to talk about Jesus, let alone in a place where you can't talk about him. This is not working. We are barely putting a dent in this huge number, and we're not going to unless we send more people. So it has to be blaringly obvious to you that more Christians need to go to the ends of the earth. So, where are these Christians coming from? Like, what megachurch is sending out these new missionaries to go? What super Christians are being called by God? Because obviously God's got to be out there speaking to people right now, right? I think you might know where I'm going with this. <laughs> it's us. It's us. We are the ends of the earth goers. And it's way more of us than you think. Way more of us, even in this room right now, should be going to spread the gospel. I know, I know for a fact that there are so many Christians that should be going to the ends of the earth that for some reason or another, they are not going. And just a few weeks back, I had this crazy God moment where I believe that God showed me why so many Christians don't go. You want to know why? Because it's the reason I haven't gone yet. While I was on a walk on Wednesday, March 3rd at 12.30 p.m., God spoke to me so clearly, and he showed me some pretty cool things, some pretty crazy things that I've never thought of before, that I believe that will change us, to change the way we think about going if we let it, because it did me. It messed me up. It messed me up. I, I love it when God does that, right? Sort of, kind of. <laughs> so get ready. I want to quickly show you two things that God spoke to me, just not my thoughts. It's biblical but that he showed me that just might change how we think about going to the ends of the earth. Number one is this. We misunderstand what a missionary is and does. I have talked to so many people who tell me that they could never be a missionary because they are shy and they can't speak in front of people. Listen, a missionary is not just someone who walks into the bush of Africa and starts preaching the name of Jesus at people. Now, sometimes it is. Okay, but there are countless things that missionaries can do to share Jesus with people. Being a missionary does not mean what you think it does. It's, it's taking whatever skills that you have and using them to create relationships and avenues to build, to build those relationships and to, and to share the gospel. It's doctors going to Burundi because 70% of the people in Burundi live below the poverty line and have no access to health care. That's a missionary, going there and helping. It's teachers. I just talked to a missionary two weeks ago. Going to teach English in Ethiopia to Somali Muslims because they want to learn this world language so that they can be successful. It's construction workers building churches and hospitals in India because they are in need of skilled contractors to build quality buildings for their ever-increasing population. It's coffee drinkers starting a coffee shop in China because all around the world, people drink that garbage. <laughs> Seriously. It's a connection. It's doing all these things. All of these things to give yourself an opportunity to create a relationship and to share, share Jesus with people that you come in contact with. 
Whatever you can do here to create a relationship with someone and to share Jesus, guess what? You can do it over there. You've got to understand this. You don't have to be a great speaker. You don't have to be extremely extroverted. You don't have to be a Bible genius. Every single one of us has something that we can use to go to the ends of the earth. Yeah, but I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't speak well. I have stage fright. I'm introverted. I'm shy. I don't know how to do this. And my least favorite excuse, if I ever hear this, I may slap you. I've already done my part. Makes my blood boil. You are not too old. You are not too young. You're not too shy. You're not too stuttery. You're not too, you fill in the blank. If you are willing to go to the ends of the earth, God will use you wherever you're, in your, wherever you're at in your life with whatever skills you have. So number one, we need to have a better understanding of what a missionary is and does. And number two, and I think this is the one that's really going to make you go, wow, I never thought of it like that. Because that's exactly what Pastor Kyle said when I told him, hey, God spoke to me. And he goes, whoa, I never thought of it like that. I think you're onto something here. It's a powerful thing. This is what made, messed me up and flipped my thinking upside down. Number two is this. We over-spiritualize the call of God. The call of God, that moment where God says to you, sell everything, uproot your kids from their school, quit your job and go somewhere that, you will nev- that you've never even heard of before. Right? First of all, that's not how it works, okay? Uh, you don't have to sell everything and become poor to be a missionary. You still get paid as a missionary. Many missionaries that I know still have houses in the United States. So stop being so dramatic, okay? That's not how it works. And if you have any questions about what this really looks like, like what is this process? How do you become a missionary? What does it look like to be a missionary? Please come and talk to me. I've talked to like four people in the last two weeks in our churches that are called to be missionaries and they're like, how do I do this? God spoke to me and now I now figure this out. So as for the call of God itself, we think it's, we tend to think it's this, always this, like divine moment, right? Where God speaks to me in a dream or in my personal devotion time and, oh, it just felt so right and it was so clear and it was so powerful. And, you know, he says like, you're going to China and you're going to do this and this is how you're going to do it. Now, sometimes it is like that. In fact, I would say a good percentage of missionaries that I know would describe their calling like that. But I think that's why we have so few missionaries going. Because we over-spiritualize this thing. If we understood what I'm about to share with you, I believe that the people that go to the ends of the earth would, would increase exponentially. Do you remember a few weeks ago, um, we talked about the dangerous prayer, send me, in a Sunday sermon. We talked about God send me. I think we missed something here. Because what happened to me on my walk a few Wednesdays ago is I was listening to a sermon from David Lindell um, from James River Church in Missouri. He spoke the same exact message as I did when I spoke, send me. Like word for word. I'm listening to this dude's sermon and I'm like, David Lindell, church of 20,000, you heard my sermon and you stole it. You stole my message that I stole from Craig Groeschel. Probably more likely he heard Craig Groeschel as well and he decided to preach it. But we're going to go with me, right? Okay. 
But he spoke the same, like word for word. I'm sitting there going, yep, I said that. Yep, I said that. Yep, I said that. But then all of a sudden it was like, boom, 45 seconds worth of his message hit me so hard. He said something that I didn't catch in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And I was just like, he just made it so real to me. It was so, so good. I want to remind you really quick of Isaiah's story. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this amazing vision of God in his throne room where he resides in heaven. He sees God in this crazy way and it moves Isaiah. Well, in this vision, God asks this question. He says, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And in this question, I need you to notice two things, okay? Number one is this. God did not tell Isaiah to go. You see that? Didn't tell Isaiah. He didn't say, Isaiah, you've got you to go and be a messenger to my people. No, no, no. He asks, who will go for me? And Isaiah actually has to say, here I am. I'll go. Like, hey, 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 pick me. God, I'm right here. Pick me, pick me. Like, check it out. I'll go. I'm willing. I'll do it. Okay? So he, Isaiah volunteers to go because he is willing. God never tells him to go. Now we're going to take this a bit further. Number two. This question was not just for Isaiah. You don't say, oh, let's see, there's one person in the room. Who will go for me? <laughs> Unless you're super passive aggressive like us Minnesotans, right? <laughs> Who will go for me? No, no, he's, this is a generic question of, of, this, of everyone. Isaiah's vision was a glimpse into God's throne room. Kind of like there was like this reality TV show following God around, and Isaiah happened to tune in the moment that God is on his throne, like almost the keeping up with the Kardashians-esque, right? Like, like, what's going on right now? And God is sitting there, and he's going, who will go for me? He's not talking to Isaiah. He's talking to everyone. This is a generic question to all of humanity. So if God isn't talking just to Isaiah, but to all of us, and if God isn't telling anyone specifically to go, does that mean that God's call is a little bit more all-encompassing? Maybe? Could it be? What if we don't have to be specifically called to go to a certain place? What if God is saying to us, there is something that needs to be done? There are lost people that need to hear about me. I just need someone who's willing to go who will go for me? Music team, would you please start making your way to the stage? Now, this idea, this, this way of looking at the call of God in our lives makes so much more sense to me. And this is what we see in the Bible right here. Right now, we say things like, well, God hasn't told me to go, so I'm not going to go. Well, maybe we should be saying, God hasn't told me to stay, so I'm heading out. I mean, it makes just as much sense, doesn't it? We have this idea like God has to specifically look at me and say, hey, you, right there, you need to go to this place and reach these people and this is how you're going to do it. It's not how it works. It's not what we see in the word of God. Maybe, maybe we need to start praying a prayer like this. God, I'm willing to go. You better tell me to stay if you want me here. In fact, I've been praying this prayer for the last three weeks, two weeks, and I don't know if my wife and kids are super happy about it, but I'm just like, God, I'm willing to go. Like, if you want me to go, I'll go. So you better stop me if you want me to stay here. We need to be praying that prayer, every single one of us. 
And if you pray this and God tells you to stay here, great. That is awesome. You know why? Seriously, that's great. Because God has something for you to do right here to reach his people. But if, but if you're praying this and you feel like God says, nah, I don't want you to go, you better check your feelings. You better check your reasons. Because you better make sure it's God telling you that he has something here for you to do. Not because you're scared to go. Not because I don't want to learn a new language. Do you want to know that's my number one excuse? I don't want to learn a new language. Or I don't like Chinese food. Or I don't want to move away from my parents or my kids. Or I don't know how to do this because let me just tell you something. I'm going to be completely honest and a little bit harsh here. None of that matters. None of that of your feelings matter compared to the three billion people around the world that are dying and going to hell because they've never even heard. Come on, I don't want to learn a new language. How pathetic. That's the way I feel about myself sometimes. God is saying, what's more important, you spending a couple years learning a language or billions of people going to hell? You could be the one to tell them. You could be the reason that someone gets to be with Jesus forever. Come on, you guys, you've got to get this. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm not saying this to rip you away from your grandkids or your grandparents or, or whatever it is. I, am tr- I truly believe that there are so many of us, even in this room, so many of us even watching online, however this works out, that are missing the most fulfilling, the most amazing, powerful call of God that we could do, the most fulfilling thing we could ever do in this short little thing we call a life. Would you please stand with me? If we truly understood God's heart for the people that don't know him, if we truly understood how much God loved these people and how much we should, how could we not be compelled to go for him? It all comes back to this. Do you have a heart for the lost? If you do, God is surely going to tell you to give. And he is surely, absolutely going to tell you to go. The question that you have to pray over and kind of think through is, am I supposed to do it here or over there to the ends of the earth? And and some of it comes down to, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go overseas? Are you willing to say, God, yeah, if you want me to go, I will go. And if that's the case... And if God is telling you to stay here because he has something for else you, for you to do, that's great. But if not, why wouldn't we go? I believe, just like Isaiah, walking in and seeing God or tuning in and seeing God say, who will go? I believe right now, tell me what you think. Do you think God would be up in, is up in heaven still to this day, looking down at us saying, who will go to mess, be a messenger to these people? Who will go for me? I would say it's a pretty good bet that God is still in heaven today looking down at River of Life Church this morning saying, who's willing to go? Three billion people need to hear. Who's willing to go? I want us to take a few minutes to connect with God, to listen and possibly respond to him about what we just talked about today. We're going to have the music team play a song. And this is an opportunity for God to inspire you directly. So maybe you need to close your eyes and not even look at the words and just listen for his voice 
Maybe you need to get down on your knees and surrender to him. Maybe you need to come to the altar. I don't know what you need to do, but this is a moment where God can speak to you to break your heart. So let's take some time to be open to what he has for us right now. Let's do that. A couple weeks ago in my life group, um, we talked about this send me, and there's nine of us in our group, and I just said, hey, we're gonna take a poll right now. How many of you in this little life group of nine of us right now would be willing to go if God told you to go to the ends of the earth? And three ladies raised their hand. <laughs> and their husbands did this. <laughs> and I was like, sorry guys, <laughs> my bad. But it was awesome. I was like, we're having lunch next week and we're gonna talk this through. What does this look like? Maybe God's calling you. Like it's so powerful when we get this. Pray with me. God, we know that you want us to do something. We know that every one of us has the same mission to reach people that don't know you. Give us a heart for these people. Show us what we can do. You've asked us to go to our own people, of course. You've asked us to go to the ends of the earth even. Help us to hear from you about this. And if you don't tell us to stay, give us the courage. Give us the courage to go wherever we can help people who haven't heard about you. One last thing before we go, and I, I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to make the decision to start following Jesus today. This morning we've been talking about uh, people that are lost, the Bible calls it, people that don't know Jesus, that don't have a relationship with him. And maybe you know right here that you're not right with God, and you want to start living for him today. Here's the question. I'd like you to just bow your head and close your eyes for one more moment for a time of privacy, time of reflection. If you have never asked Jesus to forgive you and you've never made him the Lord of your life and you say, I want to do that today, I just want you to simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. If that's you, I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to do it today. I want to start following him today. If that's you, Put your hand up so I can pray for you. Jesus, Jesus, awesome. Is there anybody else who says that's me? Yeah, yeah, all right. Here's what I wanna do. I want everybody in this place to pray this with me, just to make it, to, to just make it easier for the people who rose their hand for the first time. And if you, if you are making this decision for the first time, make this prayer like your heart's cry to him this morning. Pray this, pray, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, let's celebrate that together. That's awesome. Amen. Very cool. Now, before you go, before you go, if you, first of all, made that decision for the first time today and, and like you want to follow Jesus, please, I want to know about it. I just want to be able to pray with you personally and talk to you and follow up with you. So please come and find me. Like I'll, I'm just all over the place. So come and find me before you go, okay? Uh, second thing is this, if you are praying this week, or even maybe right now, you are feeling God say to you, like, you should go, you should go, in a different way maybe than you ever have before, 
uh, get a hold of me right away. Don't let Satan like try to pound this out of you. If you wait the next day, you'll feel like, eh, that really wasn't real. I was just emotionally charged, okay? No, contact me right away. I want to hear about this. I want to talk you through it. I'm not going to push you to do anything, okay? I want to talk this through because maybe God has something planned different for you. Lastly, if you'd like to stick around and continue to hear from God and spend time with him, you can do it right at your seats. You can come up to the altar, whatever you want to do. We're going to make this place of pr a place of prayer right now. Um, and the rest of us will go out and chat if we want to. But don't miss an opportunity to connect with God, okay? Thank you for being here this week. You're dismissed.